I'm so happy you are with us this week to listen in on my conversation with Talia Dachau. She is a creativity coach and advocate, a proponent of play, and she helps facilitate community and exploration with word play, creative workshops, and masterclasses where we're really encouraged to make space for play and creativity and to discover how those can benefit our lives, our work, and our relationships. Enjoy the show. Living in a stressful world doesn't mean you have to give up on happiness. Instead, you can shift your perspective of stress and discover how to live your life in flow. Welcome to Happified. I'm your host, Susie Vine. Join me for inspiration and interviews with folks who are shining their light in the world in the areas of positive mindset, health, and wellness. I'm so happy to have you here. Would you like to make more of your meditation practice? What if there was a tool that maximized your time and attention with images and affirmations carefully selected to boost your positivity and strengthen your resilience to help you integrate your intentions into your subconscious? I have a special gift available for you. Visit happifiedlife.com and click on the start off happy button to take a look at the phenomenal technology created by Positive Prime that shares positive images, affirmations, and motivation in a method that literally wires your brain for more happiness, higher productivity, better relationships, and greater success. Head over to happifiedlife.com and click on the start off happy button. See a sample video and sign up for your free trial. You can take 10 days to find out how the power of personalizing your own motivational videos by adding images from your photo library will bring you even greater benefits. I know you're going to love this tool. It's become one of my favorite go-tos and an important part of my daily routine. Head over to happifiedlife.com to start off happy with Positive Prime. Welcome back. I am so happy you are here with us this week for my conversation with Talia Dachau. Talia has been creating using creativity to heal, learn, grow, and connect all of her life. It's how she's wired. When Talia was little, she believed she was worthless and that the only way she could be worthwhile was to change into whatever her parents wanted her to be. Over the years, she's used creativity, especially where it intersects with spirituality, to love herself just the way she is. And it turns out that's what her parents wanted after all. Along the way, Talia has earned a BA in English at UC Berkeley, a certificate as a volunteer mediator, and a certificate to lead Lego serious play workshops. With decades of experience in transforming her own life, Talia has expert tips and tricks to share with us to help us quiet the inner critic and find our inner guidance. 
I'm so glad, Talia, that you made time. Thanks for joining us today. Oh, thank you so much for having me here. So it's hard. It's hard when we're little to come from that space where I can relate. I kind of considered myself to be a chameleon and I could fit into the roles that I perceived people wanted for me. And then I did study theater in college. So it's funny how those skills tend to follow us and change over time. Yep. Um, how did you come into this space or what led you from your work or love of creativity to put more focus in play, like with these Lego workshops and that sort of a thing? How did you come into this space where you are now? Yeah, well, I had been trying to figure out what I wanted to do when I grew up, like my entire life. And so maybe 15 or so years ago, I took a course with some very smart people who said, you're already doing something that is as natural to you as breathing, but it's likely you don't value it because we tend to think that we have to work hard at anything that has value. So what is it that you're doing that is easy and natural and is part of how you are wired? And let's figure out that what that is and find a way for you to do that. And that will just make everything easier. So with their help, I figured out that I bring play, creativity, and community building to everything I do. It's just, I just do it. I'm not trying to, it's just who I am. And so after I figured that out, I was like, well, okay, if, there, if, I'm, wanna, if I'm wired for play, I want to find people who are playing at work because it didn't feel like playing at home was as big an issue, but play at work felt like it was really important to me. So I, that's when I discovered Lego Serious Play. And I thought this was brilliant. I mean, they have some great ideas about using both sides of your brain and the uh, hand-brain connection and having something tangible to hold your ideas so you don't have to keep them in your head so that when you're listening mm -hmm. to other people, you're not sitting there thinking, this is what I'm gonna say, this is what I'm gonna say, this is what I'm gonna say. And you have something to look at that they built while, so, so you can listen with your eyes as well. It, it was, there was a lot that was really good about it. I didn't sell it well though. So that did not end up being a, a career for me, but uh, it was that sense of, this is a really important place that the world needs that I have, I can bring something uh, of value into the world. Well, and I think it's a, still a powerful tool in the toolkit, right? Lots of yes. aha moments and realizations coming from that training. And yeah. I believe too, that when we get out of our heads or you know do, do something that's more manual than typing into a document, that it's easier to process. So I love that using their toys that everyone is familiar with as kind of like another level of communication and yes. of being present in the moment, which is definitely a big aspect of creativity. And we were able to do some really serious work, but in a playful way, which takes some of the pressure off and allows more creativity to come in and more possibility. So yeah, it, there, it's, a nice, it's nice to have that as a tool. Yeah, I love that. And that stands out to me when you say we can do some serious work and use play to make it a little easier, you know, to give us a, a touch point where we can meet, but also to take a little bit of the heaviness out of the thought process or the content of what is being worked through. Yeah. Yeah. Super powerful. Um, and I love that you put a priority on play kind of a playful person myself. Um, and no wonder we get along. 
I know it was just a natural fit. We clicked like <laughs> Lego pieces. Exactly. <laughs> and in my experience, in my opinion, it opens up a whole different side of our brain, or it's just so powerful at bringing us out of our stress that comes up through normal situations in life, whether we're at work or whatever's going on at home, there tends to be some stress. Sometimes it's higher or lower. And when we can make time for ourselves and have fun and play, and it lends itself beautifully to playing with family and the people that we love too, right? It's not necessarily yep. a solo activity, yep. although it can be. Yep. Yep. Um, it's that community building too. And I love that that community building is something that just naturally was a part of your, your process or your sweet spot. How did you become aware of that, that you just naturally sort of built community or brought people together? One of the exercises that they did in this, uh, this class, uh, it was trying to figure out, they had us list like, I don't know, like 30 different jobs that we would want. And um, the idea is, I don't know if I had the right number, but the idea is that the first third is what's on top of your head. And the second third is what you thought about fairly often. And the, the last third is stuff that you really kind of have to dig for that it's not, but it may be older and it may be more gut level. It's not top of brain. And so taking all of these together helps us figure out what are the things that these all have in common. And community was one of the things that they all had in common. And I just, I mean, I, I crave community. I want to be part of, a, of, of loving and supportive communities. I seek them out. I try to build them. I, I try to connect people. Um, I, I, I love the idea of drawing people to me who have the same level of weirdness and, and uh, playfulness that I have, but in their own special ways and having us all together in a community to just create magic together. I just think that's so neat. Yes, and I love that. And it needs me as much as them. I mean, that, that right. was one reason I started the Creativity Club. Uh, and I was, didn't have anybody else to hang out with in person. So I'm like, I'm gonna do this online. Well, and, and that's a lot too, right? Um, creative solutions or when you notice something could be optimized, creativity leads you to find a, find an answer. Yes. And what does this look like? What would that be? What if I did this? Yes. And I love your, your points about community too, because there's something so uplifting and coming together and recognizing that we have more in common that separates us, even if we seem to be very different, which I loved when I was able to drop in on your creativity club, because people show up from all different careers, walks of life, different ages. And we do a couple of creative thinking exercises, no artistic skill required. And it was just terrific to see what came out of that space and the laughter and the camaraderie that comes together very quickly because we are wired to connect. Yeah. And, and to go back to, you know, I mentioned briefly before, you know, creativity helps us to step out of stress, to bring us out of that really narrow field of vision and open up our perspective and see solutions. Um, when we're stressed, we, unfortunately, and, and, 
sometimes women reach out and do call, bring together their community. We're, we're more the tend and befriend, you know, pattern than men are. But often in stress, we withdraw from community just when we need it the most. And so well, I love this time when you're stressed out, right? Right, right. Or we don't want to bring other people down or, but exactly to your point. Yeah. I mean, it takes that observation. Oh, I could use some support right now. Let me let someone know that I could use right. it. Right. So, so yeah, it's a beautiful way to come together and be connected and community in and of itself is a terrific way to relieve stress because we feel heard, but we also have that opportunity to support other people. That feels really good. It feels really good. Yeah. I love that. And laughter is a great way to relieve stress. And I find that there's a lot of laughter when we do creativity games because it's kind of fun and silly. And it's, you know, we laugh and then everybody leaves feeling lighter. Yes. Yeah. We can put down some of that stuff that's been, you know, wearing a groove in our brain and think yeah. outside the box and embrace the kooky answers that come up, right? To your point, yeah. you know, people who are weird like you, I, I love the opportunity to let my freak flag fly. So, yep. <laughs> because it's sure nice to put down some of those trappings now and then and just be authentic. Yeah. And so I'm curious because you were a bit of a shapeshifter as a youth and I was, as I've already confessed, a chameleon. And mm -hmm. so, you know, in terms of authenticity, and creativity. Um, how do you see that helping people be more authentic? Or do you feel like it's a way that we can drop some of that, the trappings or even something as, as big as like imposter syndrome? I definitely see a lot of connections. Uh, I, I actually, I took what I was doing in the creativity club where we're just playing creativity games and having fun and realized that everybody involved was having messages in their brains that said that their, theirs wasn't as good as everybody else's. And I thought everybody else's was brilliant and mine was the one that wasn't as good. And so I'm like, hmm, this is a teaching moment. <laughs> Here's something that all of us, myself included, need to hear sometimes is that we are judging ourselves so much more harshly than everybody else is. And that, you know, I, I just wrote a sentence and it has no verb. How could it possibly be good? And somebody else says, but it has such evocative language. It's painting this picture. I wish mine painted a picture. And I'm like, but yours is a complete sentence. So, you know, there, there's ways that everything that we create has value and is beautiful. And, and we are our own harshest critics. And to find a, a group where we can, that helps us celebrate that, that what we create is a value is just so important. And I find that if I'm with a group of people that I trust and I have wrote something or created something and I don't, I think it's crap. And somebody else in the group says, it's not crap. I think it's great. I think there's some brilliance to it. It opens up the possibility that not only am I judging myself too harshly for what I created, but I might be judging myself too harshly on everything else as well, on this feeling that I'm an imposter in all of life, that I'm not good enough in all of life, that maybe that judgment is incorrect, just the way the judgment of my, the thing that I created was incorrect. 
Right, right. And all of that energy and effort and frustration that we put ourselves through trying to fit into something that feels more acceptable is just, just that, just lost energy and effort and, and struggle. And so I love that. I'm, I'm glad that that teaching moment popped up and became crystal clear for you because I think that's absolutely true. And it takes that kind of opportunity to see things in other people sometimes, and then let that reflect back on us. Um, and, and I've said a number of times too, you know, we tend to say things to ourselves. We wouldn't say to anyone we care about. Absolutely. It can be so hard on ourselves. So for ex in that exact same vein to, to recognize, oh, wow, they're being so hard on themselves, but what they've done just naturally has merit and value and beauty and fun. Oh, that could be true for what's going on with me too, right? Exactly. We need that mirror. So I love exactly. that you're providing that. Yeah. And just as a, um, another way of thinking about it, when we're, we're saying such harsh things to ourselves, a lot of people, I know I've heard my husband say that if I'm not harsh with myself, I'm never going to change or grow or whatever. In my experience, it's the exact opposite. That if I'm harsh with myself, my inner six-year-old will not come out and play and I will not grow and I will dig in. Oh shoot, sorry about that. Um, and that it's, uh, it's only when I allow that um, the kindness that my inner six-year-old comes out and plays and I can be fully authentic and fully realized and, and present and, and have fun. And then I can change because then I'm fine the way I am. But as soon as I get the message that I'm not okay the way I am, I dig in my heels and I'm like, I'm a stubborn six-year-old and I am okay the way I am and you cannot convince me otherwise. But if I'm okay the way I am, then it's okay to change. Then I can choose how I want to be. And if I want to choose to be something different, I can do that. I love that. I had the same conversation with my husband last week. And he said, well, if I'm not hard on myself, I mean, how will I get anything done? And I said, that's fascinating. I'm glad I'm in my head and not yours. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I love that that came up for him as well. And I agree. I sometimes feel like I feel that stubborn toddler come out. You know, I notice myself wanting to have temper tantrums and, and that's, that's the flag when we need to stop and say, okay, yep. why are we feeling unheard and unrecognized, unsupported? What, what needs to shift? Having that conversation with yourself can make a huge difference. I mean, this is some of the things that I teach when I'm talking about imposter syndrome. We have these gremlins in our heads that tell us that we're no good, or maybe it's that emotional toddler you're saying, I'm not going to listen to you. That part of us is trying to protect us and has really important information for us. And if we can stop and sit down and have a conversation with that part of us, we get really good information. Can I give you an example? Yes, please. I was working on creating a course and I was like, I was testing it out with some trusted friends at first and first three weeks went really well and the fourth week was terrible. And after the fourth week, this was gonna be a six week course. After the fourth week, I'm like, I'm giving up. <laughs> it's no, I'm, I'm no good. I can't do this. I'm like, oh, okay, okay. This is exactly what I'm teaching about. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> Funny how life gives us these lessons. 
<laughs> let me stop for a moment <laughs> and figure out what's going on because it's pretty clear that something in me is feeling very protective. So what is it that they're trying to protect me from? It's trying to protect me from. Protect me from failure, protect me from embarrassment. Well, it's a good thing this was a test run, wasn't, isn't it? Oh yeah, okay. This wasn't prime time. I can relax a little bit. So what do you wish I had done differently? Oh, this, 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 this. I wish you had asked these different questions. Oh, let me take notes so I can figure out what the different questions are that I could ask in this way. I, I'll have them written down and I won't make the same mistakes the next time. Oh, oh, she's taking my concern seriously. That, that gremlin in my head is like, okay, this, I'm not being just dismissed. I'm being taken seriously. And this is, this is good. Highlighting that. <laughs> exactly. The more our inner gremlin feels ignored or suppressed, the louder and angrier it yes. gets. So beautiful when we honor yes. it and we get curious. That's so empowering. So empowering. So then, you know, after a while I was like, anything else? And my gremlin was like, no, I think that's it. And I'm like, great. Thank you so much. I am so appreciated. All this information is going to make my next time through so much better. And now I just want you to know I've got this. I'm, in, I, I'm going to take care of it. And my inner gremlin was like, great, I'm going to go play. Yeah, back it to me. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and if anyone in the audience is sitting there thinking, wow, that's a pretty extensive conversation to have in your own head, let me invite you to bring the spirit of play and curiosity to that voice that tells you, you can't do something. It's never been done that way. Who do you think you are? It might sound like someone from your history, a teacher, mm -hmm. a mentor, parents who thought they were protecting you, but maybe planted a seed of a limiting belief. And to your point too, right? Oh, this fear of failure or not living up to your expectation of yourself. Mm -hmm. You know, we can be so hard on ourselves. And the more we try to hit the mute button and say, this is this is silly. This is not relevant. I need to ignore this. The louder it gets. So if you enter into this possibility of a conversation, yeah, let's sit down and, and get curious about this and see what is coming up. It's as powerful as recognizing that when we let emotions come and we don't just try to put a lid on it, because it's not appropriate. I don't have time. I don't know how to deal with this right now. I don't like this emotion. It doesn't feel good. They're going to come back up in spades. Yes. And usually at a worse time. Yep. So when we recognize, okay, I don't have to be afraid of emotions. They're emotions. It's energy yeah. in motion. I don't have to be afraid of my inner gremlin. And I don't have to listen to everything it says. Yep. But when I get curious, there's some real gold in there. There's some value, at least in understanding where these limiting beliefs might be coming from. Yeah. And then you can really, you can have it all out on the table and start putting the right blocks together. And sometimes you can't make a huge shift all at once. Right. I mean, sometimes the, all you can manage is a one degree shift. I'm like that. I can't do great big shifts. I go hear these people promising, you know, do this program and you'll lose 90 pounds in six weeks or I don't know what, you know, or do the program and you will re completely reinvent yourself. I'm like, oh my God, I don't want to, that's way too much. I'm, that's too big a shift to do, but I can do a one degree shift. And you know, if you do a one degree shift and you're sailing across the ocean, you end up in a very, very, very different place when you get to the other side. So what, just a one degree shift can be super powerful. 
And if after you're comfortable with that one degree shift, you decide to make another one degree shift, you can do even farther. So there's a never feel like you can't that that you're making too small a change at any given time and it only counts if you're doing something big. It doesn't. Doing something small is powerful and important and can make a huge change over time. And is worthy of celebrating. And uh, yes, worthy of celebrating. Right? And yeah. and I agree 110%. And that's something that I try to remind people or help them make peace with that small changes are worth recognizing. Yes. It's still a change. Yes. It's easier to follow through with than a radical shift that's going to be overwhelming. And we're going to want to snap back into the habit or the pattern that's been comfortable. Even yes. if it wasn't serving us, it's become comfortable. And so when you start making these one degree shifts, when you start making small changes and then recognizing I'm staying on track with this, I'm following mm -hmm. through, how am I going to reward myself for honoring this commitment to myself to make this small change? Then we have that, that room opens up to build that capacity, right? We start to move into that positive momentum as opposed to feeling like we're pushing change and we have to carry this load and willpower always runs dry, you know? Yeah. And it helps us build trust in ourselves mm -hmm. and having that self-trust helps make the next shift possible. It helps you be able to listen to the gremlins again because, oh, I did this before, I survived the experience, I got something positive out of it, I can do this again. And having that self-trust is huge because the gremlins get so much louder when we have, give ourselves a record of not following through because we always bite off more than we can chew. Mm, I love that point. So yeah, building on those small wins, recognizing that we're making change, that's some, that's some positive fuel to bring back to the table when you're sitting down face to face with those gremlins that say, who do you think you are to do this? Say, well, I took a chance over here and it might not have looked exactly the way that I thought, but look where it is now. Look what that grew into. Look what I'm yeah. capable of. Yeah. So now we're going to take another chance. Yes. Let's go team. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I love and it. Can I tell you something else that I've discovered is really helpful to, when I'm having these conversations? Yes, please. Sometimes having a conversation with a gremlin is super important. And sometimes even after I've had the conversation with the gremlins, it's not shutting up. And it's not giving me any more useful information. It's just loud. And what I've discovered is that if I can name that gremlin, it helps me distinguish that this is the fear and not the inner guidance that's talking. Mm. So I have a tendency to call my gremlins Cruella DeVille. And I will say, oh, Cruella DeVille is really talkative today. <laughs> she is really telling me a lot of stuff, but she does not have a history of being very accurate. <laughs> I wanna listen to that voice. But because the gremlins get so loud, it makes it hard to hear the inner guidance, which is often very quiet. So being able to say, that's not the voice I wanna to listen to. I wanna make space to hear the voice that actually supports me. It, I find you know, giving it a name is really helpful because then it's not me, it's something else. 
Mm, I love that. And I'm glad that you shared that. I didn't want to go on a tangent a minute ago, but it's so perfectly in line with what I was thinking about saying. And I had another interview. It's been a bit back, but I had Ariana Rollins on the podcast and she is phenomenal at helping us tune into that inner true self, that higher guidance that we have. Mm -hmm. And I love that you pointed out that that one doesn't always have a megaphone. That's a quieter guidance. And that's why her work is so powerful in helping us recognize, to see the moments in which we were guided by that, to see the results and the blessings that that brings in. And so what I was going to say a few minutes ago is it's almost like calling a committee meeting and recognizing there are different people at the table. It's not only you and your inner gremlin who are having this conversation, but there's also that higher self and what they know is, is, you know, I do believe that our higher self knows what's good for us. Even though we might have patterns or blocks or resistances that come up, it's all part of our natural growth cycle. And, um, and something that I believe too, is really helpful for people just in terms of recognizing and resolving their own stress again, is learning how to tune into the messages and signals that are coming from our body. So maybe that higher self is a gut feeling, or maybe you feel that, you know, come up from around the heart space, but wherever that is, we have to get in the practice of making that space and making some quiet time for it to come up. Not saying like, this is a huge meditation practice, but just recognizing that it's something to be tuning into so we can build that muscle too. And you know, one way to do it that a lot, not everybody thinks about is creativity. Because when I am in the flow of making something, I am so in the present and so open to hearing what the universe is telling me. And I, it's like, it's, I'm not sitting there planning what something is going to be. I mean, some projects require some planning, but there are other times that I just sit down and see what happens. And that's one of the fun things about creativity is like, what happens if I do this? Let's try this and see what happens. And then you get to assess that and go from there. When I'm in that kind of flow and I'm just playing and it, things are just flowing and I'm just seeing what happens, I am so much more aligned with that inner guidance and that voice that's telling me what, is, I've, what my values are and what, what's positive mm-hmm. for me and where I want to be. And making a little space for that type of creativity can help strengthen that connection with that inner voice that is not always very loud. Yes, absolutely. I love that. And I agree completely. And, and to your point too, there's a time and an opportunity for strategy and it's so powerful to create these opportunities for creativity and not holding very, you know, clear expectations, being open to that process evolving. Yeah. And building our faith in that process. sometimes it can be hard to trust that especially if you haven't done it before like if there's a something fairly intimidating about a blank page in front of you and what am I going to do and it has to be good I think (laughs) this was actually it was really hard for me to ever do this type of experimental stuff in a in a book like Mm. I could do it on scratch paper because it was, I didn't know if it was going to be good. And I didn't want to commit to putting it in the book unless I knew it was going to be good. So I actually had this practice where I would open up this like art book that I had, that I have. And I'm like, I don't know what's going to happen. It might not be good. I might not like it, but I might love it. 
and I don't know yet. So let me start and see what happens and allowing it to suck. <laughs> and knowing that my value as a human being, as an artist, as a creative person is not dependent on the outcome of any one piece. And in fact, that the process is way more important than the outcome. So I can have something that looks meh, but if it was a, a valuable process to get there, it doesn't matter what it looks like. And so, but it took, a, it took some practice to be able to do this. It was not easily, initially very easy to do because uh, like it has to be good if it goes into the book. I have to know ahead of time that it's gonna be good. And you don't always know that when you're being creative. Right. And, um, you know, to, to call back on our earlier part of the conversation, when, if some people might be wired as people pleasers yep. and feel like it has to have merit, it has yep. to, you know, pass the grade or it's not worth sharing or creating. So it's so important to look for these opportunities where we have permission exactly. to try it. And it's okay if it, if it's a fail, if it's okay, that it takes five times and it's starting to look close to maybe something that was almost in my head, right? Exactly. <laughs> the exactly. beauty is in the process. It's in the process. And I feel like there's some art classes in schools that kind of squelch this. The ones where your snowman has to have three parts. And if it has seven, it is not a snowman. And if it only has one, it is not a snowman and you did it wrong. And so we learn that we have to do it right. But that's not really what art or creativity or play is about. It's about the process and exploring and what would it look like if I gave it seven body parts and would it still stand up or would I want to have a snow centipede or you see what happens for explore the possibilities. And that exploration is fun and it doesn't really matter what you end up with. Yeah, and I believe that what if approach is so helpful in other aspects of life then, yes. right? When we play in that space and then we come back to having something to solve at work or, you know, in relationships and just give ourselves a little room to say, what if, what if this, what if that, and try out some opportunities. Again, I think when we've had that opportunity to practice, to kind of build that muscle of opportunity or exploration or curiosity, then, and, and like I was saying before too, you know, it, curiosity and creativity bring us out of that narrow focus that we, we limit ourselves so much in opportunity or potential when we're stressed, we only see this. And when we come back into what if, you know, or that playful approach, anything it's is huge. possible. It is huge. Can I tell you about a client of mine? Yeah. So this is somebody who has a tendency to have wanted things to be perfect ahead of time and doesn't want to start anything until it's perfect or unless she knows it's going to be perfect and also wants to have a lot of control over how things go. And all of a sudden she had to sell her house and move. But she had been through my course and she was able to approach this as what excuse me, what are some possible ways this could go rather than it has to go this way. And rather than I know ahead of time what it's gonna be, she was able to say, what, what if, how could, what might, 
and she was a lot less stressed. Things went a lot smoother and she had a much easier time handling the whole situation because she was, had had that practice of let's try something, let's explore some ideas, let's open to possibility. That divergent thinking is what people do for brainstorming. It's how people become better problem solvers. It's really valuable. And often we are stuck in the convergent thinking of how can we get rid of the other options and hone in on what's gonna be best. But you need the divergent thinking also to be able to open up to what those possibilities are. That's beautiful. I love that illustration. That really, I hope, brings it home for people that it, the benefits or the merits are immediately applicable to whatever's going on. Whatever like is going on. Crazy life curveball. Like all of a sudden you have to sell your home to find possibility or potential in that is huge. Huge. Yeah. Oh, that's, a, I love that story. That's beautiful. And, and it does, it, it changes the whole tone of it. It changes the whole tone of life is happening to me too. What would I write? Where would I take this if it was up to me? What are the possible acceptable endings in my choose your own adventure story? <laughs> and I, I'm just thinking about what it's like when I'm stressed out and I'm a mom, I snap at my kids. She's a mom. She's much less stressed out than she would have been. It's going to be so much easier for her kid who's now uprooting their house to be able to handle all of this and for her to be available to her kid. I mean, better for a relationship with her husband. There's so much mm -hmm. that comes out of being able to let go of that. It has to be one way and open to possibility. And I'm just so thrilled for her that she has this, you know, that it's so much easier this time around and that it, that's going to have ripples. It's going to have ripples for her family. It's going to have ripples for her business. It's going to have ripples out. Uh, she, who even knows how far? Yes. And I'm glad that you pointed out it's going to be better for her family, not only because it changes her frame of mind and perspective, but I really passionately believe that we're healing a lot of generational patterns and trauma right now in the way that people are choosing to raise their children. And we have so much potential. And just seeing her go through this process is so empowering for her child or children to be able to say, I could do that too, right? Or if something yes. comes up for them, she can lead them through that process of, yeah, this feels really heavy and this wasn't what you thought was gonna happen. So let's play around with some possibilities here. What else could happen? Where could this right. go? Right? Wow, That's what huge. tools to give kids? Because exactly. I think so many people do. We, we, we get a picture in mind and that blank is filled. That story is written. And this is the way now we are counting on it to unfold. And one of the few things we can count on in life is change. <laughs> so the more tools we have to help us accept and move through change and be flexible is tremendously empowering. So I love that. And I love also what, I mean, this could have such impact for her kid around their own negative thinking. As you know, she, she's learning new skills with me for herself. Now she can model them for her kid. Now she can talk about them with her kid. That there's, that, that also has ripple effects. That uh, sometimes when people are unsure about whether they wanna join my, my group because no, there's a certain amount of time and it's, it's, there's a commitment to 
being present with yourself and some uncomfortable stuff. And it's not always everybody's first choice of things to do, although I make it fun. There is still some discomfort that comes up. But I think I, I, I ask them to think about their kids. Like, do your kids have negative self-talk? Are your kids full of self-doubt? Do you want to model a different way? Do you want to be able to talk to them about a different way? It's big. Mm. This can this can make this can be really big. Yeah, exactly. I'm so glad you speak to that. And I'm glad that because we do, it's easy to think of um objections or limitations. I don't have the time. I'm already overextended. I really need to do this or that. That makes more sense. Throwing some air quotes right. around that. Right. And when we put things in perspective and say, wow, what's the ripple effect? One of the the um things that's really stuck with me as I keep on, you know, looking into um, positive psychology and the information and the research that's coming out of that space is happiness or positive mindset, positivity and happiness have three degrees of impact. We're not only uplifting the people that we are first degree of interaction, but the people that they interact with, and then another degree of people beyond them. So when you think about, to your point, the ripple effect, right, of doing this for yourself, of being open to possibilities, of looking for places in which this has other benefits, it's, it's really powerful. It really is. Play more. We need to make bumper stickers. Play more. Absolutely. Creativity now. <laughs> <laughs> And so one other question um, that I have for you too, and this is a bit, a bit divergent, but we're embracing that, aren't we? We are. Um, how do you see creativity making space for more exploration with ourselves, with our connection, even with spirituality? How do you see that coming together or enhancing? So much of creativity in my, in my feeling is making space. Like that's the, how you, I, how I do it. I, when I have the creativity club, there's permission to say whatever comes up because you can't do it wrong because everything is, is creative and welcome and part of the process. And so the more we can be in spaces like that, I find, I mean, one reason I'm making a space like that is because I need that space. I need to live in that space as much as possible to be able to, to have that feeling of, I can't do it wrong. This is everything I come up with is good. Let's keep trying and see what happens. Let's play with this idea. And it really opens up the possibility for divergent thinking. And it opens up space for me to be able to be quiet for a little while, to be able to listen to what's coming through. Like, what do I want this to be? How do I want to do this? What feels right? What feels good? And I don't always get there if I'm rushing through a project or like I have to have it look like this or look like that. It's not going to, I'm not going to get to that. Well, what feels right. So having that time and space and let's explore and allow and see what happens and see what feels good and then see how to respond to what happens. Oh, that part didn't feel so good. What do I want to do now? Or, wow, I didn't expect it. That I would want to take the project in this direction. Well, I guess we'll see what happens. You know, there that just it just opens possibilities. Yeah, absolutely. I think it it gives us that space for grace 
to come through or to be yes. discovered. Yes. And it's so, it's so lovely making space. I'm see, we're so simpatico. I'm so glad you hopped on the show with me today too, <laughs> um, because it's so true. And, you know, I, I get to in from this chair, have conversations with people who are, mm -hmm. you know, really focusing on helping people feel better, get to the root of physical issues. And it is, I believe, equally important to give ourselves this space, yeah. mental space, um, energetic space, spiritual opportunity, because when we don't, when we feel like we've just got to power through, get things done, check things off the list, when stress has got the wheel, and we're not really making our own choices, that lays the foundation for disease, for relationship issues, for struggles at work leading up to burnout, you know? So, Absolutely. so this is so fundamental and it's easy to feel like, oh, space to play is so not at the top of my list. However, I propose it's a worthwhile experiment to look for these opportunities to join Talia's Creativity Club, drop in um, and see how the benefits show up, see how you have a different perspective. And that's what I heard from people too after my creativity retreat was they felt that weeks afterward, they just had a different perspective when they were approaching projects or when they were starting something, right? So the residual effect of it is not to be underestimated. Absolutely. Really worthwhile Absolutely. investment of time. Oh, this has been fun. We'll have a yeah. link in the show notes. So your creativity club is pretty drop-in. It's every Thursday at this point. Yep. Yep. Schedule changes may happen because life happens, but exactly. it's a drop-in event. And we'll have your website um, listing too, so folks can stay current if any Great. changes come together. And is there anything else? We've covered a lot of ground. Is there anything else that comes to mind you want to share before we go? Uh, I have a, um, a masterclass coming up this Saturday for talking about, um, I changed the name of it, but it's basically dealing with imposter syndrome and some of the things that we talked about here. Beautiful. But I actually have creativity games that you can play with and, and be able to experience. And that's a lot of fun. Uh, the name of it this time around is WD-40 for the soul. All about getting unstuck from imposter syndrome and opening up to possibility. WD-40 solves everything. If it's Literally. supposed to move and it doesn't, WD-40. If it right? moves and it's not supposed to, duct tape. <laughs> All your problems solved. Let Talia help round out your toolkit. <laughs> and whenever you catch this episode, be sure to check in on her website for upcoming events, opportunities to get together, workshops, masterclasses. They're the ongoing. Nine. Absolutely. And look for those one degree shifts and let those start to add up and let some of that weight be lifted. And play. Play more. Play more. Beautiful. Talia, thanks so much for making time today and joining oh, my me. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me on. My pleasure as well. Look forward to having you on again soon. Take care. You too. Thank you for tuning in today. Check out the show notes for any links we mentioned. To learn more about living life with less stress and more flow, visit happifiedlife.com. 
And if you found value in today's episode, make sure you subscribe to catch the next one and leave a review to help fellow pod surfers find Happified. Until next time, keep on shining.